good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. I invite those who are able to please stand for the first lesson. And it is from the Psalms. It is Psalm 1. And many scholars would say this psalm is the one that sets the tone for the rest of them. So listen now to the Word of God. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. And they are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Once again, those who are able are invited to stand for our second lesson. So we continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount entitled Salt and Light. We pick up with verse 38 and we'll read through verse 42 of chapter 5. Listen to God's Word. And Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to that one the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your coat, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with that one two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. There was a successful Irish boxer some years ago who converted to Christianity. And upon that conversion, also as he grew in his faith, felt a call to become a preacher of the gospel. And so he answered that call and, in, and endeavored to be a traveling evangelist of sorts. And the story goes that he was in one town preparing for the revival and setting up his, his tent. And in the process of doing that, a couple of thugs noticed the activity and were drawn to it and came over and started uh, harassing the man, should we say. They knew nothing of this new evangelist's background, 
But they continued making insulting remarks, and the Irishman boxer turned preacher looked at them. And upon making eye contact with the thugs, one of them, pressing his luck, actually took a swing at the Irishman. A glancing blow hit him on the face, and the ex-boxer shook it off and said nothing but stuck his jaw out ready for another swing. And the fellow took another swing, striking again a glancing blow as he pulled, as the Irishman pulled his body out of the way. And with that, the preacher took off his coat, rolled up his sleeves, and announced, the Lord gave me no further instructions. And he commenced to having his way with those two thugs. Now, this teaching that we hear from Jesus, these words, these verses, they're hard sayings as we continue to look into the Sermon on the Mount and dissect it that we might better understand it and live it. In the verses that we consider this morning, we will hear Jesus say, turn the other cheek. If you are sued for your tunic, give your cloak as well. And if one compels you to go one mile, go with them a second mile. Jesus says, give to whoever asks of you. And these are tall orders. These are demanding sayings by our Savior. Do we live this way? Will we live this way? Will we employ these sayings in our lives? Are these words really for us? Or do they just sound good and noble in theory but not so much in practice. Well, I submit to you this morning that Jesus meant these words and He implores us, invites us to live by these words. For Scripture tells us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, and these are words of life for us. This is a call to holiness for us. The Christian gospel implores us to become holy as God is holy, to be perfect as our Father is perfect. Holiness means to separate ourselves, to differentiate ourselves from the world around us, to be different and distinct. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world, polluted by, stained by, influenced by the world. We are to look different, act different, smell different, talk different, live in a different way, and love to a higher standard. We are called to imitate the life of Christ Himself. We, my friends, are called to be little Jesuses in the living of our days. We are called not only to study the life of Christ, but to live Him. Paul reminds us in the face of this teaching that all things are possible for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So often we say that we are Christian, but we will do something else but Jesus reminds us that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven where Jesus will say to those, away from me, evildoers. I never knew you. Let us consider our way as we seek to follow Jesus Christ. And it is good for us to consider this call upon our lives to be salt and to bring a God flavoring to the world and to preserve what would want to decay in the world by our presence. To be light, to be those who shine in darkness. And to draw others to the light that is the life of Jesus Christ. It's a good thing to examine our witness to the world by the way that we live in it. So these words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount cause us to consider what it is that we do today and in the days to come. I'm reminded as we think of our Christian witness of the quote that is attributed to Mahatma Gandhi when Gandhi was asked about his opinion of Jesus Christ and the Christian faith. And Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are not like your Christ. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, by Your Holy Spirit that has called us to be here in Your house, we surrender ourselves to Your Spirit and ask that we would be made teachable by Your Spirit to hear what it is that You say to us today and by Your Spirit that we would not be just hearers of Your Word, but that we would be doers of Your Word, that others might see our good works that others might see in us and despite us a glimpse of Jesus Christ and give You the glory, our loving Father in heaven. It would be our joy for, us to you, for You to use us as a witness in this way and be part of Your kingdom coming on earth even as it is in heaven. We pray in the name of the crucified and the risen one. Amen. So what is it that Jesus is teaching us this morning? Well, first we must understand that Jesus' words as He begins, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Jesus begins by saying, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and about the, the manner of bringing one to court or being sued by another in, in a court of law. Jesus is going back to statements that are based on the oldest evidence of the law something that is called the Lex Talionis, which is found in the Code of Hammurabi, the oldest law recorded in the world. It says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or to, be, to put it in simple terms, this is the law of the tit for the tat. You've heard of the law of tit for tat? We usually practice that tit for tat thing, except we are constantly elevating the tit and the tat. But this is to do just the opposite of that, to contain and maintain the tit-for-tat way that we like to operate in our relationships. This law is basically saying, the eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth, that the punishment must fit the crime. If you knock your neighbor's tooth out, the retribution will be that you will lose one of your teeth as well. Or if an, if an eye is lost, then one of your eyes must be plucked out as well. The Lex Talionis was 
considered then to be the beginning of the law of mercy because this law of the tit and the tat provided limitations on vengeance. The revenge exacted on another who has done wrong cannot exceed that crime. So it is seen to be initially a merciful thing to follow this law. But this law of the tit for the tat, the lex talionis, was for a judge to decide in the courts. And if we study it carefully, we find that it was actually good in theory, but it was never really carried out that often, if, at, if ever. But regardless, this is where Jesus begins His statement here. And Jesus moves it to another level because He obliterates the, pl- the principle of this law of the tit and the tat, the beginning of mercy. And Jesus is teaching that retaliation, however controlled or restrained, has no place in the Christian life. Jesus is applying this law of turning the other cheek to individuals, not in, the law, not in a court of law, but to individuals in the dynamic of our relationships with one another. He is, he is bringing it to personal life where we live and breathe and have our being And Jesus is introducing here to the Christian walk the spirit of non-resentment and non-retaliation. Jesus is saying, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to that one the other cheek as well. If I could ask Reverend Downton to come up here, I want to illustrate this. Now, I had to make sure that you need to know this guy has a black belt He could take me out at any moment. So, if Jesus is saying, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, it would look something like this, because the most insulting blow that one could render in this day and time was with the back of the hand. That was doubly insulting to strike someone with the back of the hand. And so to strike Reverend Doughton on the right cheek, which I've been waiting to do for... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> to strike him on the right cheek, I would use the back of my hand with a blow of this nature. And then he would pull some kind of maneuver on me that would look something like this. No, I want you to do some karate on me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that the hand would come across and catch him on the other cheek. No retaliation. Thank you for not taking me out. (laughs) But Jesus is saying even the most deadly and calculated insult and injury is met with no retaliation. Offer the other cheek as well. This kind of directive by our Savior should come as no mystery to us. It was at the end of the Beatitudes that we heard Jesus say, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of things against you falsely on my account. Blessed are you when this happens. Because you're in good company. They did it to the prophets who were before you. 
was reading about this piece of Scripture and a little story was shared about William Wilberforce. That name may be familiar to you. He was the driving force behind eradicating slavery and bringing freedom to those who were oppressed in England. And as Wilberforce went to the point of the spear to right this wrong and to pursue justice, slanderous rumors were circulated all throughout England about this man. That he was a cruel husband. That he was even secretly married to a Negro in the colloquialism of the time. And there was a deliberate smear campaign that went out against this man, but he did not retaliate, but remained steadfast in pursuing what it was that God called him to do. Turn the other cheek, Jesus said. Secondly, Jesus said, if someone sues you for your tunic, offer that one your cloak as well. Now, the tunic was the undergarment of the dress of the day, a lighter fabric made out of cotton or something of that nature. And typically, a person would have maybe one or two such garments. And it was legal to, in, in a court of law, in a rightful situation to sue one for that undergarment and it must be surrendered and not to be returned. But Jesus goes a step further here because the cloak was the outer garment that typically a person could only afford to have one because of the, the type of fabric and the, the, and, the, and the manner in which it was made. The cloak was a much more valuable piece of attire. But Jesus said, if they, if they sue you for your tunic, give it. Give it away. But then also give them your cloak. Now, it is interesting that in, by the letter of the law, a cloak could be something that one was sued for, but it could only be in the possession of the one being awarded it for the day because the law allowed that it be returned to its owner at night. But Jesus makes no reference to this. He simply says that if you are sued for your tunic, gladly give it and add on top of that your tunic as well. Basically saying, make yourself naked and exposed in your response. Go naked on my account. But you know, so often we like to, we like to talk about our rights, don't we? My rights. I have my rights. I want my day in court and I'm going to make another person pay. I want to see her pay. But Jesus is saying here that a Christian thinks not about his or her rights, but their duty. Not about their privileges, but about their responsibility. That the Christian is the one who forgets he or she has any rights at all. But a man or a woman who will fight to the legal death for his or her rights inside or outside of the church is far from the Christian way. So I was thinking about this. A story came to mind of my being called to serve the Madison Presbyterian Church a long time ago. The interim there was a man named Hal Lyon. He was formerly a dean of students at Columbia Seminary, and I made it my business to spend time with him as I was taking my first call into the parish. And I asked Dr. Lyon, I said, what can you tell me, a very green and young pastor, about what this is all about of shepherding a flock? 
And I was expecting him to say, read your Bible, preach short sermons. I don't know what all I expected for him to say, but this is what he told me and dropped these three pearls before this little pig. But I've never forgotten them. He said this about ministry. Don't let... I won't say the word. It starts with a B. Don't let the bad boys get you down was the first thing. And then he said, remember, this too shall pass. And then he said, do not get in a stinking contest with a skunk. And so many times when we try to pursue our rights and want to prove that we're right, we are doing nothing but getting in a stinking contest with a skunk. And we find out that we may have proved ourselves to be right at some level, but we smell awful. If they sue you for your tunic, give away your cloak. And then Jesus said, if you are compelled to go one mile, go two. The Roman authorities could ask of the Israelites anything they wanted. They were at the behest of the authority of the government. We see this clearly illustrated when Jesus is carrying His cross to Calvary. And He is not faring too well, and so a Roman soldier enlists one of the citizens to do a job. And that could happen in any time on any level. And the one must respond to that authority. So if he was being asked to go one mile. Simon of Cyrene was exacted from the crowd and carried the cross of Jesus because it was the mile that he was asked to go, and he did so. As an illustration of what is being demanded. But here Jesus is saying, if you, are, if you are required by the law and asked to do something, do not just do that one thing with drudgery in your heart. Go beyond it with joy, Jesus is saying. The Christian does not do as he likes, but only what is, not, only what is, not only what is required, but the Christian does what she is asked to do and goes beyond in a duty to serve. And the picture that is being painted here of following Jesus Christ is not one of weakness, it is not one of surrender, it is not one of becoming a perpetual doormat. It is not a case, sirrah, sirrah, well, whatever will be, will be, and just let the world run over me. It's not timidity, but no. Here in these sayings, in living this life as a spirit, is a power that is beyond all imagining. It's like a spiritual jiu-jitsu when you learn it. It's like a martial art of the spiritual realm. It takes the evil that comes against and it uses that force against itself, not in an offensive manner, but in a defensive posture that turns itself into an offense. The force of evil turned against itself cannot stand because evil will destroy itself. And Jesus says, do not resist the evil one. Renounce it? Yes. Claim authority over it in Jesus' name? Yes. Send it away? Yes. Resist it with prayer? Yes. But do not retaliate against it. Simply turn the other cheek. 
give away yourself and your possessions in love and go the extra mile. Not as being a doormat, but shaking the dust off of your feet and being able to move on. Because evil begets evil. And evil has no force in and of itself. Evil only has the evil that returns to it. That comes through retaliation and reciprocation. We see this so clearly in the life of Christ Himself who took evil upon evil upon evil and did not return it. And therefore it died in His death. Give evil all the rope that it wants and it will hang itself. And we see this in the life of Jesus. He turned His cheek to the smiters and the mockers and the beatings. He gave away His clothes and He was crucified naked and the Scriptures say that they cast lots for His garments. And Jesus was asked to go one mile by the Father for us on our behalf. And He went that mile to the cross. And then by God's grace, Jesus Christ in the power and the love of God went the second mile for us. And He was raised up from the dead. And the victory his victory is ours. And it's the victory of love. Paul reminds us of how it is that we are supposed to live in following after the manner of Jesus Christ when he says this to the church in Colossians. And I end with these verses. Paul writes, Clothe yourselves Put on then as your garments, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, patience, forbearing one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love begets love. The one who has ears, let them hear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.